The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Good morning. I tell you what, it is hard not to be full after that. Amen. Ain't gone good. So good. Yeah, you know what? Let's just give it up for the Lord this morning. Come on. So good. So, so grateful. I am so grateful for God. Uh, and I'm so grateful for the family of God. I tell you, it's been a bit of a week for me and my family. Many of you know this, but my mom was in a head-on collision this week, and she's okay. Praise God for that. Uh, but I just tell you, the outpouring, uh, it's just so many people coming up and just asking how she's doing. I just want you guys to know, our family, we are so happy to be a part of this church. We love you all. So grateful uh, for the community and uh, for the body of Christ. Man, so grateful for that. And Pastor Josh, Pastor Sarah, thank you so much. Serving, serving God uh, alongside you guys is one of the highest honors for Kristen and I. So grateful for you all. Uh, and as Pastor Josh said, uh, my name is Josh Romano. Uh, you can call me JR. That way there's no confusion between the pastors. Um, and um, like one of the things that I oversee, and he mentioned it, is men's ministry. And I love being able to serve the men of this church through men's ministry. And many of you all know this, but we have our uh, New Song Men's Retreat that's coming up. Uh, Pastor Josh mentioned that. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome weekend. It's October 27th through the 29th. You can sign up at newsongpeople.com slash events. Click on the uh, New Song Men's Retreat tab there. And uh, I just want to let you know that if finances are an issue, just let us know. We'll make sure that we get you taken care of. But I, I can't encourage you enough to do this, to show up. Uh, we've been doing this now for several years. What we do is we, we go to Colcord, Oklahoma, uh, at New Life Ranch there. And we go Thursday evening, all day Friday, and then we come back home Saturday. So you'll be home Saturday uh, by lunchtime. But it's just an incredible opportunity for us to disconnect from the world, connect with God, and connect with each other. And I was thinking about this. You know, we, we talk about the importance of like sabbatical and Sabbath and taking extended period of time. You know, in the world we live in today, 48 hours is a long time to disconnect. Like we are... We are in front of a lot of things throughout the week. And I'll tell you, if, if you commit to take this 48-hour period and you commit to, to disconnect from the world, to disconnect from the distraction and say, Lord, I am going all in. I am fully just whatever it is that you have for me this weekend, I promise you, you'll come back and he will have done a lot more with those 48 hours than you could have done on your own. And, and here's the thing, like dudes, you need to be there. And, and ladies, let me just say to you, like tell them, hey, you were, I've already, I've already signed you up and I've, we've paid and you're going. Okay. Uh, I know some of you in here, maybe uh, you're engaged. You've got a fiance or you've got a boyfriend. Let them know, Hey, if you ever want to get married, if you want this thing to happen, like give them some additional encouragement <laughs> to go. I promise you, I promise you, uh, they will come back. Um, so full and, and so much better equipped to, to lead the family and to lead in your, in your marriage and to lead in your places uh, and, and to do the will of God uh, and the call of God on, on their life and, and your life together. So make it a point to be there, okay? So it'll be fun. It'll be in three weeks. Really looking forward to that. So we're going to continue in our Stronger series. Who's, who's enjoyed this series? Man, it has been so, so good. Uh, I was thinking back to week one when Pastor Sarah uh, talked um, 
about uh, conviction has to be better than compromise. And to set the stage, we talked about Bonhoeffer in, in uh, Germany during the rise of the, the Nazis. And you just see that these Nazis are, uh, these soldiers are being trained and, and full of hatred. Uh, and, and there's this, this agenda that they're, they're learning and that they're being indoctrinated with. And, and Bonhoeffer takes these guys up on a hill and he says, if, if we're gonna see this fall, if we're gonna defeat this, if we're gonna get the church back to where the church needs to be, the church back to where they're not compromising on the things of God, but they're standing firm in what God's assignment has called us to do, then what we're doing has got to be stronger than what's taking place here. And why we don't have a Nazi party that is training soldiers right now, what has taken place in the world is there is a devil who is indoctrinating the world into his ways. And you know, the unique thing, and I think Pastor Sarah mentioned this uh, at our birthday uh, Sunday where we talked about uh, some of the four, or the four different pursuits that, that we pursue. You know, the world, here in the, here in the Midwest, specifically here in Oklahoma, one of the things that we've been very, very grateful and very a big benefit beneficiaries of is like for the most part, the world that we live in, like we there's a church on every corner. Like people don't just tolerate Christianity for a long time. Like it's just been, hey, people actually have good Christian moral principles that they live their life by. And we've seen that. But unfortunately, what we're starting to see is society is making this shift, and that is, is that we're no longer seeing the world maybe hold on to some of that stuff, even in this area. And it's not just that they're not putting up with Christians. There's this radical opposition towards the things of God. Like, you don't have to look that far to realize, man, like, the Bible is being called hate speech. It's being called dangerous rhetoric. And you're just sitting here going, what is going on? And if we're going to recapture, if we're going to see revival take place, and listen, here, here's what I want you to understand. We, I heard a pastor say this, and I believe it with all my heart. We are not the generation that was put on this earth to see the decline of Christianity in the Western world. I, I want to say that again. We are not the generation that's been assigned to just handle the decline of Christianity in the world. I, I believe that there's great revival that would take place. And in order for it to take place, one of the things that we have to do is we have to kick down the walls of cultural Christianity and say, if we're gonna, if we're gonna recapture what, what God has called us to do, then some things that we need to do, we need to look at some cultural things and go, hey, we need to be stronger than that of what the world looks at. Week one, what he talked about it, we looked how conviction must be stronger than compromise. And don't we see compromise in so many areas of our lives. And we see it inside the church. We certainly see it outside the church. Week two, Pastor Josh talked about how our worship must be stronger than idolatry. And I loved it because it, you know, maybe helped you identify some idols in your life that you need to lay down, some idols in your life that you need to destroy. And then last week, Pastor Jackson talked about how uh, sacrifice must be stronger than privilege. If you didn't listen to that message, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was so good. And this, this week, we're talking about how hospitality must be stronger than comfort. Hospitality must be stronger than comfort. The, the verse that we're looking at today, it's on the screen, it's in your notes. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. It says this, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers and above all things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Man, what a beautiful verse that is. For love will cover 
a multitude of sins. And then verse nine goes on to say, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability in which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, let's pray over the word. Lord, I thank you so much that we can gather together as a family of God. And Lord, I'm so grateful for your presence. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful for your presence. We want you here, Holy Spirit. The tangible presence of God. Lord, we thank you that you can minister to each one of us where we're at. And we pray that, I pray right now that you would do what only you can do, and that is that you would minister to each one of us in whatever specific season we're in right now in our life, that you would open up our eyes to see what we need to see, our ears to hear what we need to hear, and Lord, that you would prepare our hearts to receive what it is that you have for us. Lord, we love you, we magnify you, we worship you, and it's in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. Well, when you look at the world that we live in today, it's a pretty divided world. I don't think that catches any of us off guard. You know, we're about to go into another election cycle next month. And I know it's not a presidential election cycle, but it's amazing to already see like the hatred and the rhetoric that just people spew when this time of year comes. It's like every two years, November comes around and oh my goodness, buckle up, right? There's issue after issue. You see like when chaos or when trauma hits, I mean, we don't really do that great of a job as a society of responding. Like it's, we, we and, and listen, I, I'm not here to beat up on the church, but the truth is we don't do a great job of it inside the church either. Like there is some division in the church when it comes to these issues. And I tell you, if you read your Being Transformed journal this morning, it's one of the things Paul is imploring that man, unity is so important. Like it is so important that we strive for unity, but unfortunately, you don't necessarily see that. And I was thinking about this, uh, the company that I used to work for about a year ago, we went through a rebranding uh, uh, cycle and we were doing some rebranding. And I'm not suggesting that this be the case, but I, I just wanna say this because I think it helps kind of, you know, bring home the point. If the United States were to rebrand, I don't know that United would be the thing that we could put in front of states. I think they'd be like, hey, let's just call us the States of America because that united thing, I don't want to call ourselves the divided because we, you know, we don't want to give that picture, but people are kind of coming, expecting uniting and uh, not really giving it to them. So let's just go with the States. Uh, again, I don't think, I don't want to do that, but I'm just to, to bring home a point, like that is something that we're seeing. And when you see all this division, you see all this hatred, this vitriol that people experience, a lot of times what our initial response or reaction is, is to back away from it and isolate ourselves and kind of become tribal within our own groups that believe the things that we believe, they talk the way we talk, they're in the same socioeconomic class that we're in. Like, it's just, you know what, rather than get messy or uncomfortable, we're just gonna, I'm gonna stay over here, you stay over there. And when you think about the statement that I made earlier that the world is moving away from the things of God, the truth is the, the further that we get from, from the things of the Lord and the further that the world maybe doesn't have an understanding of how we're to wage war and how spiritual battle takes place, what happens is, is the energy and the effort that we should be waging against the devil, we actually project onto people and begin to demonize other people. 
we begin to look at them as second-class citizens and just like, ah, no, because of who they are. And, and what we have to understand is, guys, listen, our war is not against our brothers and sisters. That's, that's not who we wage war against. You'll read this later on uh, this week in your uh, Being Transformed journal, but Hebrew, or I'm sorry, Ephesians 6, verse 12 says, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That's where the battle's at. The battle's not between our, our neighbors. The battle's not between you and the person that has a Trump flag in their front yard or a Biden flag or the person who uh, has Disney Plus on their Apple TV and you decided to take it off. Like, that's not, like, listen, like, that's not where the battle's at. And it's important that we recognize that. And so you sit here and you're like, man, so positive today, right? That's a great way to kick off the, the message. But the truth is, is when we, when we look at the state that we're in, we have to ask ourselves this question. How do we reconcile this issue? And listen, we can reconcile the issue. The issue is absolutely reconcilable. But you know why? Because God still sits on the throne and he's still, he's still in charge. And the, the, the way that we reconcile this is not with trying to be more right, not with trying to just spew truth, but it's through hospitality. We reconcile this issue through hospitality. Now, when you hear the word hospitality, if you're anything like me, probably your favorite food dish just came to mind. Like, oh, pork belly. And man, maybe some fatty brisket, you know? So good, right? Anybody hungry this morning? Uh, <laughs> It's good. Food's good, okay? And food's important. Food can be an important element of hospitality. But that's not necessarily what I'm talking about here when we, when we look at this term. And when we look at it in the, in the scripture, uh, the, the word is actually a uh, Greek word that's broken down into two different words. That word is phylloxenia. And that first word is where we get um, the, the type of love that's called phileo love, which is a a form of love that's not a romantic love, but it's like a brotherly love. So it's a love that you would have for a brother or a sister or a really, really close friend. And it's a very close bonding love. That's why they call the, Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love uh, in name only, right? Um, no, I'm kidding. I, I've told, I can say that because my dad's from Philadelphia and he's a nice guy. Uh, but uh, that's why they call the city of Philadelphia the, brother, uh, the city of brotherly love. And then that second word is Zena, which is where we get our word uh, like stranger or outsider or foreigner. And so like many of you probably remember uh, when COVID first happened and like they were closing down the borders for certain countries, uh, certain people were being accused of being like a xenophobic, which is fear or a phobia from the other. And so literally the word hospitality broken down doesn't have anything to do with food. What it means is, is love for the outsider, love for the neighbor, love for that person who's outside the family of God. And when we think about it, we, we really look at the ministry of Jesus and listen, this was central to the, the ministry of Jesus when he walked the earth. And if we're, if we're to practice the way of Jesus, it should not be a bolt on to what we do when we have time. It should be a central part of our day. It should be a central part of our week. We should be scheduling these. We, we should be looking for these opportunities to be hospitable to those that God puts in our path. Like think, you can read all through the gospel of Luke 
And you've got story after story where Jesus is reaching to the outsider, those that the Pharisees put all these rules and regulations up to keep out. And Jesus is going, no, I'm, I'm coming after them. I'm going for them. Like I think about the woman at the well where Jesus, there's a Samaritan woman at the well and, and he's got really, from a cultural standpoint, no business talking to her, but he's ministering to her and he's spending time with her. That, that's, these are the opportunities that we need to be looking for. And when we think about it, I think one of the things that we have to remind ourselves of, and it's very humbling, but we have to remind ourselves that we too were on the outside. We too were on the outside. I want to read this quote real quick. Um, it's from a book called Saved by Faith and Hospitality. Uh, the, the author, his name is Joshua Jipp. One of the, this is what he says about hospitality. I love it. He says, hospitality is the act or process whereby the identity of the stranger is transformed into that of guests. While hospitality often uses the necessities of life, such as the protection of one's home and the offer of food, drink, conversation, and clothing, the primary impulse of hospitality is to create a safe and welcoming place where stranger can be, vert, can, can be converted into a friend. Boy, doesn't that sound like the ministry of Jesus? I love this last line here. Look at what it says. It says, the practice of hospitality to strangers very frequently hopes to create relationships and friendships between those who were previously either alienated, at enmity with each other, or simply were unknown to one another. It's unconditional hospitality. It's unconditional hospitality. There's no condition on it. And man, aren't you grateful that that's the same hospitality that Jesus looked down and said, hey, I'm gonna go get those that are in the family that are on the outside of the family of God. It's the same, like, what, one of the things we have to remember that, again, like I said earlier, we were on the outside. Look at, look at what Ephesians 2, 11 through 13 says. Again, if you're in your being transformed, I love how that just happened to be this week. This week, we're reading through Ephesians. And on Friday, we read this. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13 says, therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Here's what I want you to understand. What it's saying is those outside the family of God, they have no hope. Like we had no hope before God, like before Jesus came and did what he did. We were not just, you know, excommunicated and not a part of the, the covenants that Israel had, but we had no relationship. And here's what he's saying is, like, man, those that are outside the family, they have no hope because they don't know. They don't know to have hope. And then he goes on to say, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And then in verse 19, it says, now therefore, and I love this because how fitting is it into what hospitality is. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And isn't that good? And when you read a verse like that, you know what it should produce inside of you? It should produce a humility. There should be a humility that's produced. Because I think oftentimes we insert ourselves sometimes into scripture in places where we shouldn't be. Like, it's easy sometimes to read scripture and think, yeah, if Jesus was here in Edmond, Oklahoma today, I'd probably be one of the 12. Like, <laughs> right? Or maybe on the outside of the 12 and maybe a betrayal or something like that could create a way for me to get into the 12, right? <laughs> like sometimes, I mean, if we're honest, that's where we put ourselves. But the truth is we were outside. Yeah. We, we, were, we were outside the family of God. 
And how humbling of a feeling that should create to recognize, man, thank God for what he did. Thank God. And, and understand this. It's not just that the, what Jesus did, it didn't just reconcile us to God. It also reconciled you and me. Like it made, like it made us brother and sister, not just family with God, but it actually created an opportunity for you and I to be part of the family together. So it's, it's not just that we're connected to God, but we're connected to each other. And it's so important when you look at this from the, the framework of hospitality. And I think one of the things that we've seen in not just the church world, but the professional world is there's a lot of conversation over the last several years about boundaries. And listen, boundaries are important. I, I want to emphasize that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have boundaries in your life. Boundaries protect relationships. Uh, boundaries do a lot of good things. It's good to have boundaries. The problem is, I think we've created, instead of boundaries, we've created a lot of barriers. And so we've used this idea of boundaries to put a barrier up. And to help illustrate this, uh, when I was in the military, we were... I was in Iraq, and on the outside of this large base that I was on, we had this fence or this protective gate that you could see outside the gate, and those that were outside the gate or the fence could see you. And so we, we had protective measures that were put in place. It wasn't like a chain link fence. <laughs> so, but it was, it was a protective barrier. But where I was at, uh, there was some stuff that we were doing that, that they didn't even want some of the people to see on our base. Now, when I say that, it's nothing crazy or anything like that. So you guys don't have to start thinking, man, I wonder what they were doing. It, it's it's kind of silly. But the, to illustrate the point, we had these, have you ever driven down the highway and you know those concrete barriers that run down the middle of the highway? They were called T-walls and we had these like 25 foot concrete walls that lined the base, the, the, the base within the base that I was on. And you couldn't see outside and those that were outside those walls couldn't see inside for you. But there was a very small entryway and with the right credentials, you could get in and you could get out. And the reason why we had that was because we were at war. Well, listen, you're not at war with people. And, and far too often what we've done is we've just said, hey, I'm going to put this barrier up so those that are outside my family can't see what's going on and I can't see, I don't want to get involved with their mess. And I'm only going to give a select few group of people the credentials to where they can come in and out. Like, that's not the way God has called us to live. That is not practicing the way of Jesus. Now, understand this, okay? Like, this is why the voice of God, this is why the Holy Spirit is so important, okay? Like, I'm not sitting here and saying that you should just have this open door policy and it's carte blanche, whoever wants to come in, come in. That's not what I'm saying. But when you're walking with the Lord, when you're, when you're understanding, hey, I'm being led by the voice of God, when I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, I'm allowing the people to come into my life that God is putting in my life and I'm not dismissing them because they look different. Like, it's so important for us to understand that. It's so important for you to be led by the Holy Spirit in, in all areas of life, but, but really in this. It's so important. I, I thought about a story in, in my life in which... Uh, what Joshua Jip writes about how this stranger makes this conversion because of an interaction. We, we recently just moved back into our old house. Uh, we lived in this house for nine years and then in 2020 we moved out. And then, uh, what was it? I think three months ago or two and a half months ago we moved back in. Kind of a unique set of circumstances that's got us back to the house. But what's interesting is about four years before we moved out, 
there's this neighbor uh, that's two doors down from us that moved in. And when her and her family moved in, if I'm being real with you this morning, you kind of had these thoughts like, okay, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> like, just, I, I, and what I'm like, just, you're sitting here and you kind of have that feeling. You're like, man, there's some mess over there. There's some stuff that they're dealing with. And I don't really want to have anything. I don't want to have any part of it. And you kind of find yourself like, because listen, we're all busy. We all have stuff going on and you kind of find yourself driving by and just putting your head down, not being real friendly, trying to get to where you want to go. And we ended up leaving. And when we came back, then that neighbor still lives there. Now, some of their circumstances have changed a little bit, but a couple of weeks ago, I pulled up into the driveway and I was on the phone and my wife, I get a text message from my wife. I see her, she's sitting on the front porch. And she said, hey, you need to go help her with her lawnmower. And I get out of the car, get off the phone, and I walk up to her and I said, hey, you know as well as I do that if I touch that lawnmower, it's going to be worse off than whatever condition it's in right now. (laughs) (laughs) And my wife, being so sweet and wise, she's like, it's not really about the lawnmower. Would you get over there and just see if she needs any help? So I'm like, okay. So she goes into her garage. I waited by the sidewalk. You don't want to be the weirdo that follows somebody in their garage, okay? Just, this is practical advice for when you're trying to go out and be helpful, okay? Don't follow somebody into their garage. (laughs) You might get shot. Uh, But as she comes back out, I just simply asked her the question. I said, hey, can I help you? And we started working on that lawnmower together. And... The Holy Spirit was so sweet. He just began to prompt me to ask these questions. And I just began to peel back some of those preconceived thoughts that I had about this family. And as they tell their story, as she poured out and told her story, what began to happen is my heart began to be flooded by the grace and mercy of God. Because I began to see this woman and look at what's going on and just going, how are you even making it? And you just, your heart fills with gratitude because you remember. Like, here's one of the things that I think we should realize. Our life is going to be full of moments where we can either look at people that are in certain situations and turn away. Or we can make the statement, if not for the grace of God, that's probably where I would be. And the humility that it should produce, the activity that it should produce, and us being able to reach out and be a vessel rather than a barrier is what it should create. It's so important for us to recognize that. And, and listen, we were able, what's so great about this, this story, my wife and I were talking about it last night at dinner, is as we began to have this conversation with her, she, there's all this stuff that was going on. And she had raised her grandson and uh, her daughter were in that house when, when we lived there before and they were no longer there. And that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit led me to ask her. And she just said, I haven't seen my, I haven't seen my grandson in you know, seven or eight months because of it because they had an estranged relationship now and you could just see the heartache on her. And so Kristen and I standing there and just letting her know, hey, we love you, praying for you. Offer her some encouragement. And then she comes over the very next day and guess who called and said they're gonna come spend the weekend with her. And and listen, it's moments like that where you're now connected and you can have these interactions that to where you just, like I don't ever wanna have a scenario where a neighbor is asking them, a neighbor on my street is asking the question when they're going through a hard time. I wish one of those church going people would just, I wish someone would move into my neighborhood. 
Maybe the person in the cubicle next to you or something, maybe that's the thought they're thinking. If, this, if God is real, I wish one of those people that really loved him and followed Jesus, I hope they come to work here. And we all have those opportunities. We all have those opportunities um, in our day. And, and we, need, we, need to, we need to get practical and figure out, okay, how do we do this and where should we do this? So there's two areas that you should do this in. The first is we need to practice hospitality. And, and listen, this is one of our four pursuits. Okay, kingdom community is one of our four pursuits that we talked about. I wanna encourage you, if you didn't listen to the message a couple of weeks ago on our seventh birthday, go back and listen to that because this is central to what we do here at New Song. This is central to who we are. But it's kingdom community. So the first place that we need to practice this hospitality in is inside the church with each other with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look, go back to what that verse said in 1 Peter. It says, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Again, beautiful verse, right? And then you get to verse nine and it says, be hospitable, but it doesn't stop there. It says, be hospitable without grumbling. Because when you have people in your home, guess what? You're gonna have an opportunity to grumble. It's just, listen, in your... And let me just, to burst your bubble this morning, you've been one of the people that somebody's wanted to grumble about when you've left their home. <laughs> we've all had those moments where we've had people over and everything's great and then they leave and you're like, praise God. They're gone. Right? Like we can laugh about it because we know that's true. And, and here's, here's, here's my encouragement. Don't grumble. A very wise person told me that when you run into these, those moments where you could begin to grumble or have conversation, you know, you need, you know who you need to have conversation with, with about that person? You need to take it to the Lord. Like when you see things in people's lives that could create you to have a conversation around, oh, I can't believe they're doing this or they're struggling with that. then you know what that is? It's an invitation to pray. It's an invitation to sit here and say, you know what? They're my brother and sister in Christ. Rather than sit here and stab them in the back when they walk out and have this conversation, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to cover them in prayer and I'm going to believe that God's going to intervene on their behalf. Like it's important for, like these, these environments of hospitality are not just to where we can sit here and have people over and go, hey, how are we going to get this person today, right? Like these people... They, we've been seeing some stuff. It's okay to hold people accountable. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that, but I'm saying we've got to get to a place where our tables are places where we learn and love from one another instead of fighting with one another and creating opportunities where we're building each other up because listen, life will kick you in the face and you need, you need moments like that. You need environments like that where, where you are that to people and other people are like that to you. Listen, to get practical, my wife and I, over the last three years, we, we made a, a commitment. We are, gonna be, we are gonna be as hospitable as we know how to be. Like we're gonna get uncomfortable with some of this stuff. And one of the things that we do is we just pray and ask the Lord, hey, who is it that you would have over? Like highlight somebody to us. We have a conversation. She'll shoot me a text and said, hey, I was talking to this couple. Love to have them over and just get to know them. And what's amazing about it is when you do that, you create a very sacred space for the Lord to move. Like, I want you to think about this. Like, most of you probably have in here a table that maybe has a leaf in it. And I think one of the things that we should do as believers is get in the practice. Even if you have the leaf in your table right now. I was going to bring my leaf for an example, but I decided not to. Uh, 
that sounds funny, my leaf for an example, table leaf. And, um, but anyway, sorry. Uh, but even if you have your leaf in your table right now, one of the things that I would recommend is take it out and get in the practice of when you have people over, opening up the table, because here's what you need to be thinking about. You're not just creating a space for them. You're creating a space for the Holy Spirit to move. You're creating a space and you're, you're creating a sacred space where you're like, Lord, move in whatever way that you want to. We are willing and obedient to have a conversation, to get down in the nitty gritty and, and to, to, to believe that healing is going to take place, that, that freedom is going to take place, or we're going to laugh or we're going to cry or whatever it is. But we are going to be hospitable to one another in the family of God. That's the first place that we should do it. The second place that we should do it, and this is the one that's not so easy, and that is outside the family of God. That's outside the church. And listen, I, I can tell you from experience, I realize the tension sometimes that this creates, okay? I, but I, I want to share this verse with you because I love this verse. Hebrews 13, 1 through 2. It says, let brotherly love continue. It's that brotherly love that hospitality talks to. This is, this is as hospitable a verse as you're going to find. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, those that are on the outside. For by, doing, or for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Such a cool verse. You know one of the primary responsibilities of angels it's to provide rescue and revelation. So here's a question I think we have to ask ourselves. And it's a weighty question. But what rescue and revelation am I withholding from somebody because I'm not extending an invitation? What, what rescue and revelation am I not opening up? Am I not helping somebody walk into because of my fear or my lack of desire to get uncomfortable? because I just want to be comfortable. You know, all this stuff that's going on, I want to be comfortable in my own space. So you know what? I'm not going to let them come over. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have that encounter on the driveway. I'm not going to talk to them in, in the workplace. Like we, we have to, we've got to get to a place where we're willing to get uncomfortable, where we start to see people the way that God sees people. We start to see people the way Jesus sees people. And in my own life, to get very personal with you, um, there's, there's, there's a family member that my wife and I have in our family who's, who we love tremendously. And over the last several years, there's been some real difficult stuff that we've had to walk through in regards to, with, with them. Real dark stuff. I'm not, we're, we're not, I'm not talking about like maybe they, they cuss a little bit and they drink too much on the weekend. This is, this is some pretty ugly sin and, and some stuff that they've been involved in. And with, with having three kids, I found myself really starting to have this conversation and we talked and we said, okay, what, what do we do? Because I want to protect my children, uh, but I also love this person. And again, listen, this is why the Holy Spirit's so important because listen, the Holy Spirit will help you make the right decision. And here's the truth. If you don't utilize the Holy Spirit, you may make the wrong decision or you may make the right decision with the wrong heart. And so I think it's so important that we lean into this. And in this moment, I actually had a conversation with Pastor Josh about it. And I was just sharing with him kind of where I was at and seeking some wisdom. And I remember he said something that was incredibly impactful to me. He said, are you concerned that that's going to rub off on your family? 
And I found myself kind of backing up and having this thought, you know, as believers, we're really good at standing on verses like Psalm 103.3 where it says, God forgives me of my sins and heals me of all my diseases. Really good at, at sharing Psalm 91 when someone's going through something and talking about, hey, this is the promise of healing. And, and, and listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. We absolutely should do that because those are the promises of God and we should use our faith so that we can step into that. But the problem is, is when somebody who's dealing with the sickness of sin comes by, we somehow have this diminished faith and go, I'm not gonna get sick from COVID, but I don't want that to get on me. And I found myself in this place of just real deep conviction going, oh my goodness. Like, man, who am I to, to, to keep this person from being able to have an interaction that could save their life? That could create, that could open up a seat for them at the table of God. And what's so important when we think about this hospitable attitude, listen, I wanna to talk to you parents very specifically for a minute. It is so important that our children see this interaction for a couple reasons. The truth is the enemy is gonna lie to your kids. He's lied to all of us and he's gonna try to lead them down the road where it's, hey, sin is fun. Sin leads to good stuff. Like, come on, like this is, get caught up in this stuff. And what's important about it is it's important for not only us, but our children to see what the wages of sin will bring. And again, it's not an attitude to look and say, hey, we're better than that, but it's important for them to just understand like, hey, there are people that are dealing with some pretty tough stuff. Yeah. And you know, sin, sin creates hardships. Yeah. Like, listen, the, the world is full of stuff that we are gonna encounter. And when we're walking in sin and justifying sin, we're just opening up the door for the devil to just wreck our life. And they need to have some interaction to where they see some of that. But beyond that, they need to see the way we respond to people who are walking in sin. They, they need to see a mom and dad who put their arms around those that are struggling with some stuff. And then rather than do what first Peter tells us not to do, rather than to go back and sit here and, you know, be begrudging in the way that we talk about them when they leave, it's important for them to sit here and, and see that, man, we love them through that. We're praying for them. We're believing that God's gonna have a breakthrough in their life. And here's the reason why. Someday our kids are gonna experience sin. And how big a tragedy it would be if they said, I wanna go to somebody other than mom and dad because I've seen the way they respond to sin. Let, like, let that sit in for a minute. One of the greatest gifts that we could give our children in, in, is, is we're being hospitable, is they can see that they have a mom and dad that regardless of what the person is dealing with. And again, I'm not saying that you invite people in your home that are threatening, but what I am saying is the people that are dealing with tough stuff, they see that we embrace them with open arms, that we pray for them, that we share the truth, but not just spew truth at them, that we cover it with the grace of God, with the same grace and mercy that's been poured out for us. And man, it just you want to talk about a, a process of being able to connect the family of God together. Perhaps one of the, the best stories that, that I've heard on how this unconditional biblical hospitality has radically changed someone's life. I heard a message and a pastor talked about this book. And the name of the book was called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And this, this lady wrote it. Her name's Rosaria Butterfield. And I love her story. She was a professor in New York 
of feminine studies and like literature and stuff like that. She was in a lesbian relationship. And her primary objective in life, her primary objective, she said, was to, to bring light to how bad evangelical Christians are. And you're just like, wow. She, she had some experiences with some Christians that just spewed truth, 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 no grace, no grace, no grace. And she's like, yeah, we can't stand for this. And so she wrote an article. And in the article, it created a lot of controversy. And what happened was she found herself receiving all this, these different types of letters. She said, on one side, I put all the fan mail. And on the other side, I have all this Christian hate mail. There should, no, there should not be such a thing as Christian hate mail. And she said, one day I received a letter and I, I didn't know where to put it. And she opens up the letter and it's a letter from a pastor. And he very thoughtfully responded to some of the things that she had written about in this article. It was very thoughtful. And the thing that stumped her the most was at the end of the letter, there was an invitation. There was an invitation for her to come over and have dinner with him and his family. And in the process of her getting this letter, she was actually writing a book on how bad Christians are. And so she thought, you know what? This is some great recon work. I can go behind the scenes and see how these freaky people operate in their own home. She wrote, she said it was, I felt like I was deep sea diving. She said, I needed to make sure I had a mask and enough oxygen and I didn't stay down there too long because if I did, I wouldn't be able to come up. My favorite part of the story is when she left the house, she talks about how her interaction there was something totally different than what she had thought. She had some dietary restrictions because of some personal choices that she had made. And so they had prepared the dinner. They'd done, they, they knew that. So they prepared the dinner that would be, um, you know, that, that would meet those needs. She said they prayed in a way that I've never heard of anybody pray before with such conviction and, and relationship with this, this, this God that they served. She said the way the family interacted with her and the way that they had their children come in and just asked her her story. She said, I didn't feel like they thought I was sitting there polluting their family. And then she said this, she said, when I left, they didn't invite me to church. And she said, because of that, I knew that I was just a human they were wanting to get to know rather than a project they were trying to check the box on. And listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't invite people to church. I, we absolutely should invite people to church, but we need to have relational equity with people. <clears throat> Four years, 200 meals. <laughs> she said, it was the threshold of their life that led me to the foot of the cross. Such a beautiful statement. It's just, I think it's one of the things that we have to ask ourselves. What, what is our life leading people to the foot of the cross? Is, is our open arms of understanding that, hey, we, we once too were outside the family of God. Or the way that we're looking at people, are we seeing people the way Jesus sees people? Are we hurting? Are, is our heart breaking for the things that break God? Like these are all things that we have to wrestle with and we have to ask ourselves this question. And again, listen, I, I understand it's not easy all the time because we're busy, but I'm gonna tell you what, You've got 21 opportunities over the next week between breakfast, lunches, and dinners over this week to have an impact in somebody's life. There are people standing in their driveways 
that are waiting for somebody to just come and get to know them. There, there are those that are lonely. We live in the lonely, so much, we've got so much technology and all this other stuff. People are so retracted from community. There are people that are starving for someone to just come up and just say, hey, I'd like to get to know you. And it's through that that we can share what God has done in our life and what God can do in their life. The same promises that he has for us are the same promises that are available to you. And so as we close this morning, I wanna do something a little different. Today is, um, if you're new with New Song, we take communion once a month. We normally do it during worship. But I thought after having a conversation around hospitality that we should have a meal together as a church. We should all come to the table of God. And so if, if you're sitting on the front row, your elements are underneath your seat. If you're anywhere else, they should be behind you. If you need some elements, just lift up your hands. Our ushers will make sure that we get those over to you. And as you begin to prepare those, I, I just would ask that you prepare those. And then if you would stand with me this morning. And one of the things that we remind ourselves of when we take communion, and we've talked about it this morning, but we were once outside the family of God. We once did not have a seat at the table. But I love how Luke's gospel in verse 22, they talk about the night that communion, that the last supper was instituted. It says this in verse 14, it says, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Now I tell you, verse 15 gets me every time. It says, then he said with fervent desire, Jesus is telling his disciples, I have burned for this moment to sit down with you and have this meal. I've desired to have this meal with you. I've desired because he knows that what he's about to walk into is creating permanent relationship between them and God, that it's forever joining the family of God together. He says, with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, that I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, he broke it, gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in verse 20, he says, likewise also he took the cup after the supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. When we take communion, what we remember is we remember that the body of Jesus was broken, was bruised, was mutilated so that we could receive healing. And that his blood was shed for us so that his blood would cover our sins. Listen, Jesus lived the life we should have lived and he died the death that we should have died. So that we could have a seat. So that we could be in the family of God. And normally what I would have you do is I would have you hold up the bread and I would have you hold up the cup. But I wanna do something a little bit different this morning. I really want you to make this personal. I want you to take the elements and I, I want you to think on those elements of what they represent. And I want you to think about the fact that he did it for you, that he did it for your neighbors, that he did it from those that are far off from him. Before we ever said yes to him, he said yes to us. And so as you do that, it should produce gratitude. It should produce humility in your heart.
and just begin to thank him for what he did. So I, I wanna just step back and give you a few moments. And then when you're ready, begin to take of the elements. Lord, we are so grateful for you. Love you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for what you did for us. We're so grateful, Lord, to be able to have a seat at the table, to be with the family of God, to be in communion with you, Lord. I want us to remain in an attitude of prayer and worship. And this is our opportunity to respond. I'm gonna invite our altar ministry team down. If you would, go ahead and come on down. Many of you probably came in this morning and you've got some stuff that you're dealing with. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what season of life you're in, but I do know this. These people down here would love to pray with you. They, I, I promise you, they would love to join their faith with yours. And so if you've got any prayer need, whether it's a need for healing, maybe it's you need some help, in a relationship. Maybe this message has stirred some stuff up in you and you just want to come down and tell people, I'm making a commitment to be more hospitable. And I want to encourage you to do that. Don't, don't walk out of here today without doing that. We've got plenty of time. We're not going to rush this moment. But if, if you don't have a need of any type, here's one of the things I really want to encourage you to do. We're going to go back into a song of worship. And this is our opportunity to respond. This is our opportunity to worship, worship God to thank him for what he's done in our life. And so don't pack up, don't let this moment go by. Respond to how good God is. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray that everybody that has a need of prayer, that you would draw them to your altars. Lord, we love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.